How many of you, even though we might, I know we couldn't have sung it as well as Jennifer sang it, but you would be able to say, Lord, you picked up all my pieces. You put me back together. Bless your wonderful heart and name. You are the defender of my heart. Amen. 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 Bless you in the name that is above every other name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I feel like we need to just ask him to to bless us this morning with the opening up of our hearts by his spirit and the anointing of his word to our hearts. The scripture says that it is the anointing that breaks the yoke. It is the anointing, it is the touch of God, it is the power of God that breaks the yoke. We're going to be spending a little more time this morning, Lord willing, on the subject of the chain breaker, the chain breaker, the yoke breaker. We need to, as we engage that subject, we need to be sure, we need to sense afresh that the chain breaker is in the house. Amen. Lord, we look to you because we love you. But we didn't love you first, you loved us first, and as a response to your loving us, there is a love, an affection, an admiration, a joy in you. But Lord, we're, we're honest with you this morning that there are things about us that we don't understand, there are things about us working within us, with our minds, with the memories with the way we can respond to people in settings that we are not strong enough to change. And some of those things have become bondages. Some of those things have become chains, and they control us instead of us being able to say no to them, stop it, quit it, leave me alone. But Lord, we bless you that the presence of those things inside of us is not great enough to cause you to forfeit your love for us. It's not enough for you to back away from us, to let go of us, to change your plan for a future and a hope for us. But It is the very fact that those things that need to be changed in us, those chains that need to be broken in us, it's the very fact that those are still there is is loving proof to us this morning that as far as you are concerned, we are a work in progress. And the work is being done by your spirit, by your life, by your power. So Lord, this morning, with our hearts humbled before you, with our hearts recognizing our need of you, with our hearts wide open to the fact that unless you change some things in us, they're never going to get changed. And we're asking you, Lord, Break the chains, break the chains, break the chains that bind us, break the chains that are controlling and dominating our thinking about who you are, about who's in control, about who we are. We ask you to set us free, oh, bondage breaker, chain breaker, make your presence known in this room, we pray. That is our cry, 
And all the Lord's people said with me, amen, amen, amen. I realize that on Sunday morning, and you may be watching this on Sunday morning, streaming family, or this may be some other time during your week, but but when we... When we uh, plan on coming to the gathering of believers, when we plan on coming to church, we can, over time, develop a way to just cover stuff up. Do I have a witness? We, we, we can develop a way to say, I'm doing fine, when somebody says, how you doing, when the truth is we feel like the bottom is just blown out beneath our feet. I'm fine. I'm fine. How are things? Oh, they're good. They're good. Could we just have a, just, just a rule that we've reestablished here at the Alamo City family? And it's been operational for all of these years, but sometimes we just need to be reminded of this, that this is, this is the rule for, the, for, for what we're involved in, that plastic, phony, untrue answers don't help the situation. And the Lord isn't afraid to still call us his sheep to still call us his own when we have to say, when we honestly say, I'm struggling. When we honestly have to say there is something that when it comes up, it can capture me for the rest of the day. There is a memory, there's a person, there's a a progression of thought, there there is a logical conclusion to who it just seems like I am because stuff keeps happening in these ways. And Lord, I can struggle with the reality that your word describes that you love me, that your kindness is over all your works. And there's some places where I feel like I have a chain, a chain emotionally, a chain mentally, a chain even physically of dependencies on things. I have a chain, Lord, that needs to be broken. Folks, the older we get, it doesn't mean that we get farther and farther away from the frequency of potential chains having a connection with us. The older we get in the Lord, it doesn't. The, the, the truth of the matter is that the longer we live, there can always be something new that comes up that just seems like it has the ability to control us, to control our thinking, to create in us an attitude that we know doesn't honor the Lord, a reaction that we know doesn't honor the Lord. But if, if we were forced in our own strength to tell that thing to leave me alone or to go away or to quit it or to stop it, it would just be words spoken because it's just going to keep doing what it has continued to do. Somehow it's got, it's got a hold in our hearts and it won't let go. I'm here to tell you this morning, and I believe you'll rejoice with me in this, that what we can't do to fix ourselves, he can do with his power to cause there to come to be a release and a freedom. The chain breaker is in the house. The chain breaker is in the house. The chain breaker is in the house. Now, how can we say that with that kind of authority? We can say that because Jesus himself said in Matthew 18, if any two of you agree on anything that they may ask, my Father in heaven will do it. And then he goes 
on to say, for, because, two or three of you have gathered together in my name, there I am in the middle of the circle. Now, folks, I want to try to get the religion out of that. The Christian, the Christianity, religion that can be just form. It's the right words and, and, and the right heart in a sense. But this is talking about not just something we know with our brain. But I believe the Lord is saying when any two or three of you get together, I want you to know that I'm there. I want you to feel my presence. Do I dare say that? I dare say that. That, that though he physically is not here, he physically is not going to necessarily manifest in the form that he walked in 2,000 years ago. But that's why the Holy Spirit of Jesus was poured out. So that it wouldn't just be that we've got to wait till we get to heaven to enjoy the benefits of heaven. It, Paul would say, we've received by way of the Holy Spirit the down payment the earnest, the down payment of everything that heaven is going to be. Well, you can't have a kingdom in heaven without the presence of the king. Do I have a witness? So when Jesus is saying, when any two or three of you have gathered together, my heart, my desire, my longing is that you will feel, you will sense, you will know my presence in the circle of two or three. Now there are many instances that we have record of and have indication of that in our streaming family that there's typically always more than just one person that's watching or listening and participating in the service. There can be two or three, easily two or three, even though you're not in this building. Now, there are more than two or three in this room this morning. We're grateful for that. And if you happen to be by yourself, it's Christ in you, your hope of glory, that he's never going to leave us, never going to forsake us. But it, it, it's amazing that, that he says, I want you when you get together. I want you to know that I'm in the room. I am more than words on a page. All of these words are true. They're all true. But they don't contain him. They are not Jesus. They are expressions of Jesus. But the, the, the Holy Spirit was given in addition to the Scripture so that the Spirit of the King, the Spirit of the one who wrote this book could be felt, I'm just telling you, felt, felt in the room. Now, folks, when the King is in the house and there's a sense of his presence in the house, anything can happen. Anything can happen. But as long as we relegate him to just a function of the brain, and just something that is, that is tied to a book, then we miss, we miss the majesty and the power and the authority of who he is. When I say to you the chain breaker is in the house, I literally mean that. That he is here, not just here, not just a brain trip. But he's liable even while we're sitting here, even during the worship. Well, the king, as he makes his presence known in the house, can move up and down these aisles and move in and out of wherever you may be, in your bedroom, in your living room, in your truck, or wherever you may be as a part of our streaming family. He can make his presence known. He can heal the sick. 
He can answer prayer. He can put thoughts and dreams in the hearts of people. And it may not be organically connected to anything that was said, but because the king is manifestly present where you are, he can do anything he wants to do. <laughs> and we need to welcome that. I, I, I'm, you know, somebody walked in here just wanting a polite little church service, just a little just check a box. I went to church. I hope you just get rattled out of that cage with the sense that there's somebody else in the room. There's somebody else in the room that we can't see. I love it. Old Rusty Lester Roloff statement years ago is, I, I feel that breeze from another land. I feel that breeze from another land blowing through the house, blowing among the people of God today. That's our prayer. That's our prayer, that this just won't be another sermon, just won't be another set of songs, but somehow as we gather together with our hearts open to what he's written in this book, the king will make his presence known. And the apostle Paul says the kingdom of God is not words, but the kingdom of God is power. The kingdom of God is power. So where, my brother, my sister, where do you need his power demonstrated in your life today? If it is the power manifested in the specific expression of breaking chains within your mind, where there are memories that when the memories come up, they can shut you down for half a day. When the fear of something that might happen, that hadn't happened, but that might happen, when that comes upon you, it can just, it can just cause you to lose all manner of orientation. Our problem is that we get to thinking that those things are just so much a part of who we are that we just need to draw up a truce with them instead of declare all-out war against them. That we develop these demilitarized zones within our thinking and with our emoting and choosing and so forth but because we, we can't control them. We, we, they're, so, they're more powerful than we are. That's where. That's where. When we're honest, and I pray we're honest this morning, and that where you sit, wherever you are as you hear this, that you know that it's a safe place for you to open your heart up before the Lord. He's already died on the cross for you. He's already poured out his blood that you and I could be forgiven of sins. He's already been raised from the dead and from that place of being re-exalted to the right hand of the Father, he has poured out his spirit into us and upon us for the purpose of continuing to deliver us, of continuing to break chains and shackles off of us, of continuing to renew our minds so that our minds will think more of the things that honor the Lord, more of his heart, more of his mind working through us than ever before, day by day. So where are you stuck? Where are you stuck? Uh, that, that's another way of saying it's a chain. It's a chain. Where do we have a chain that needs to be broken? Now, I want you to remember this. When we say that the king is in the house, when the chain breaker is in the house, well, who is that? What, what, what are, do we have any particular qualifying descriptions that would help us to understand that if he is in the house, he breaks chains? 
Isaiah 61, we referenced this last week, as Jesus stepped to begin his public ministry from Nazareth, the synagogue in Nazareth. They handed him the scroll of Isaiah. It was opened to Isaiah 61, and he looked into the faces of the ones who were listening to him, and he said, today, this verse, this passage is fulfilled in your hearing. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, and he has anointed me to bring good news to the afflicted, to heal the brokenhearted. But then he goes on down through that list. He has anointed me to set the captives free. He has set me to proclaim freedom to prisoners. Folks, listen. This matter of you and I being brought into the place where we can live free of the fear of man and the opinions of people, the place where we can live free of the, of the shame and the guilt of the things in the past, that is at the heart of why Jesus came out of heaven. Because he knows if fear can grip us, if guilt can shackle us, if shame can drape itself around us, we are shut down and we, we're pushed back and we're not able to step into all that he has for us. So this morning, this morning, is there a person whose opinions of you controls you? Is there something in your past, something going on in the present, some concern about the future? Where is there something? Where is there something? Even though you, we can poke you and a scripture comes out. Poke the other side and your hands go up in praise and worship. Where are you stuck? Where are you stuck? Where are you stuck? I'm telling you. The chain breaker is in the house. And here's what I felt that he is saying. He's wanting us to hear. And that, that I would have the freedom to express these words from his heart to, heart to his people. And here it is. Ask me. Ask me. Ask me to break the chains that are working in your life. Ask me. You see, for some reason we can think, if I just memorize all the verses on the subject, or if I get all my Christian friends to be praying, nothing is wrong with that. that, that there's no sin to do that. But I'm asking you, even if you've done those things, is the chain still what if the Lord, because he loves you so much, he wants to cut out the third party? He wants you to just go straight to him. Say, Lord, you know me. You know your servant. You know me. I'm asking you. I'm asking you. Specifically. Pointedly passionately to set me free of this attitude, of this memory, of this fear. Now, now don't be listening to this for somebody else. Man, I hope they're hearing this. You know what, what do you say about that log, that log sticking out of one eye when we're telling everybody about that splinter and the others. What, 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 if, what if the Lord is saying as this, as this is presented before us, what if he's saying, don't try to dress yourself up. 
I know what you look like without your Sunday go to meet and close on. You have permission. And the love in my heart is not going to grow cold when I hear you say to me. Maybe after all these years of, of, of being in church and trying to live for the Lord and honor the Lord, I'm not going to grow cold on you when you tell me where you feel like you're bound and you can't get free. Because I've already made provision for that by the power of my spirit to set the captive free, to set the captive. See, here's the plate. In order to admit that, somewhere humility's got to rise up in our heart. If we're wanting to just know I've known the Lord all these years, I don't have any of those kind of problems. Just the, just the fact that you put it that way is an indicator that there's this massive glaring black hole that all those other poor sinners out there, they need something, but hey, you know. Where are you hung? Where are you stuck? While you listen to this, as we sit together this morning, would you just privately, but quietly, but very much in the light, Lord, I bring it to you as I'm sitting here listening to this. I'm bringing to you this attitude toward a family member, this response that goes on in me when somebody that, that I have in this position of, of respect and authority, when they frown on me, Lord, it's like you, you, can, you can be saying the joy of the Lord is my strength, but when this one is mad at me, all I feel is the effect inside of me of their anger or their disapproval or their checking out on me. They're bigger than you, God. That face, that person, that situation in my life is bigger than you. It controls me more than the power of your spirit. Folks, that's such good news I, that you've got a father who doesn't have you on some performance scale. Well, I'll love you if you never say that. I'll love you if you always do this. He knows what he's got when he got us. And the freedom that can come in knowing that I can never exhaust his mercy. I can never cause his love for me to be short-circuited and turn away. But what I can do is I can turn off the spigot of the flow of that love in my direction. It's flowing, it's flowing, but it wants to come into my heart, but I turn off the valve so that I don't sense it. Why? Because I'm living some phony, plastic, play-like Christian game. Instead of saying, Lord, there's a whole lot of my heart that needs more and more and more and more and more of your love and your mercy in my life. I didn't need it then. I didn't just need your power then. I need your love and your mercy and your power. Now, drench me, Lord. Drench me, Lord. Are y'all hearing that? I, I don't, I'm not saying that, trying to say that in a mean way. I'm trying to say that. that's some of the most encouraging truth from Scripture that we can ever find. The Old Testament would be that here's the standard, and you miss the standard, and there's punishment. But the New Covenant, the New Testament 
is all about Jesus meeting the demands of the law for us and paying for with his death the places where we missed the law. We broke the law. But Jesus died on the cross for those sins. And he poured out his spirit to be within us, to energize us, to activate us, that we would have the strength, not from within us, but the strength from him to live lives free, 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 free. On the last week, we spent some time on the power of Jesus to break the chains of a rebellious life. Matthew, the tax gatherer, Matthew 9. We also talked about the power of Jesus to break the chains of overwhelming shame. Breaking the chain of overwhelming shame. That was David, Psalm 51. And then the last one was his power to break the chains of runaway passion. Runaway passions, Saul of Tarsus, Acts chapter 9. But today I want us to turn another page, maybe move into a, another brief chapter of this amazing and wonderful personal truth for us of his power to break chains. And I want you to find with me the first book in your Bible, the book of Genesis. The book of Genesis. And I want you to go, if you would, to the 37th chapter of the book of Genesis. The story of Joseph. The story of Joseph. There are a series, folks, a series of chains that related to Joseph's circumstance that we have testimony from the scripture that your God is able to break off of you if he broke them off of Joseph. You find this account, the first place where Joseph is really mentioned. This is Genesis 37. I'm not gonna, I'll just summarize a whole bunch of this because it goes all the way to the 50th chapter of Genesis, his life, Joseph's life, chapter 37 to chapter 50 in the book of Genesis. But in verse 2 of 37, verse 30, chapter 37, it says, Joseph, when 17 years of age, remember that, when 17 years of age was pasturing the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth. Verse 3, now Israel, the father, loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a very colored tunic. And his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, and they hated it. They hated Joseph for it. Skip down to verse 11. And his brothers were jealous of him. Verse 11. Israel, the father, the dad, says, go now to Joseph and see about the welfare of your brothers and the welfare of the flock and bring word back to me. 
Joseph agreed, and he went. Verse 18. When they, the brothers, saw him from a distance, and before he came close to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. And they said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Verse 21, but Reuben, one of the brothers, heard this, what they were plotting to do, rescued him out of their hands, and said, let us not take his life. Verse 24, he took Joseph when he arrived, when he got there, and threw him into the pit. The pit was empty without any water in it. Verse 28, they decided rather than kill him, they would sell him, and he would disappear. He would just be gone out of their lives. Verse 28, then some Midianite traders passed by, so they pulled him, Joseph, up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. Thus they brought Joseph into Egypt. Verse 36. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, Pharaoh's officer, the captain of the bodyguard. And just, just keep going with me. He, he ends up in Potiphar's house. You remember that story? This is chapter 39, verse 2. And the Lord was with Joseph. And he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him. And how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. So Joseph found favor in his sight and became his personal servant. And he made him overseer over his house. And all that he owned, he put in his charge. Joseph. Not much older, probably, than 17 years old. Sold as a slave twice. Abandoned by his brothers. But he gets in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife is attracted to Joseph. She comes on to him. He spurned her advances and then lied to Potiphar, her husband, that it was Joseph who had started all of this shenanigan. Potiphar believed his wife, turned on Joseph, and had, jo had Joseph thrown into Pharaoh's prison. He had that kind of leverage. Potiphar was that much of an important man in Pharaoh's court. So he used Pharaoh's jail for his own purpose. Well, so Joseph is there. It's going to be not until he's 30 years old that he's brought out of the prison and sat at the right hand of Pharaoh because he had interpreted Pharaoh's dream. But somewhere for 10 to 13 years of this young man's life, he in the eyes of others who would look at him would say he's just rotting away in a foreign prison. But while he was there, the same thing happened with the chief jailer as happened to, the, to, to Potiphar. The chief jailer recognized that there was something unique about Joseph, 
There was something of integrity about Joseph. So he ended up turning all of the prisoners of whom Joseph was to be a part, turning all of the prisoners over to Joseph for Joseph's supervision while he's in the jailhouse. Why? Because the scripture would say, because the Lord was with him and caused him to prosper right where he was. Time passes. The, the two, of, two of Pharaoh's close confidants, one's next to him, he, 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 he turned on them because they, they uh, fell out of favor with him for whatever reason. They end up in the, in, in the jailhouse. They get to know Joseph. They have a dream. Joseph interprets their dream. One of them gets released. The other one ends up being killed. But the one who gets released is back in the court. And Pharaoh, you remember this, Pharaoh had a dream. And he wanted an interpretation of the dream. But none of the wise men, none of the ones that he would go to for that kind of explanation were able to help answer the, the dream. Well, this, this one in his court who had known Joseph remembered and said, finally remembered. There's a young man, there's a young Hebrew in the jail that has the ability to interpret dreams. Immediately, Pharaoh called for Joseph. I love the story about how Joseph goes to bed one night, a prisoner, looks like for the rest of his life as far as he knew. But in the Lord's plan, that was his last night in the jailhouse because he would from that morning on have the heart and the trust of king of the king Pharaoh, one of the most powerful earthly rulers at that time on the planet. He called Joseph in. Joseph gave him his dream. Joseph interpreted the dream. And then Pharaoh said, and you remember those words, who can we, where can we find a man with the wisdom to be able to implement what is being seen in the dream? And Pharaoh answered his own question, Joseph, you're the man. So the scripture specifically records that when Joseph turned 30 years old, it was at that time that he was taken out of prison and he was elevated to the destiny that the Lord had in mind all along for him. But I want you to look at the last chapter in the book of Genesis and these words that Joseph spoke to his brothers. They ended up needing food, famine across the world at that time, the known world at that time. They end up coming to Egypt to, to feed their families, to buy provisions. As the story unfolds, they didn't recognize Joseph because it had been so long and now he's got a crown and a scepter and he's got authority and he's not the kid and the kid brother in the pit. Now he's with authority looking at them. Joseph recognized them, though the brothers, brothers initially didn't recognize him. But listen to these words from Joseph's heart up toward his brothers. Verse 19, but Joseph said to them, do not be afraid. For am I in God's place? And as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to bring about the present result to preserve many people alive. So therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. 
and he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Who? Who was he saying that to? He was saying that to the cruel, knuckle-headed brothers who wanted to kill him but chose not to kill because another brother was, took up his defense. But they just wanted him out of their lives. They didn't ever want to see him again. So deep was their hatred for him. The chains God broke in Joseph's life. Chain number one. The Lord has the power to break the chain of victim and take us into the place of victor. Break the chain of victim. The Lord knew what the brothers were thinking about Joseph. The Lord knew what the brothers were saying about Joseph. And the Lord knew what the brothers did to Joseph. But somehow, in some miraculous, out-of-this-world kind of way, even though Joseph went from being a victim of his brothers to being a victim of Potiphar to being a victim in the jail, in the middle of all of that, he wasn't owned by a victim mentality. <laughs> that this is all I'm good for. This is all I'm destined for. Is just to be a slave. And sold again as a slave. And always be under. Somehow folks. Some way. There was a voice to his heart. Another voice. That was absolutely different. Than the despising condemning hateful voices of even his own family to where when he ends up in a place he didn't plan to go with no knowledge of the people that he was thrown in with, somehow there was the favor of heaven upon his life. Even though he was a slave, twice he was a slave. My brothers and my sisters, what can shut us down is if we believe the lies that the enemy tries to keep pushing our direction. You're nothing. You deserve nothing. You'll never be anything more than nothing. So just settle down and accept it. And we embrace. We become chained by a victim mentality. When the ab Salute. Opposite was the truth in Joseph's life. That because he carried himself not with his head bowed and not with the, uh, deserve the best or deserve the worst, but he carried himself with the sins. God's put me here somehow, some way, and I'm going to do my best to honor the ones who are in authority over me. I'm not going to spend my time whining about what my brothers did to me. God knows what they did. And the harvest that they've sown is in his hands. 
But he didn't live his life consumed with what people had done to him. Now, I know that you can be listening, and, and, and you, you can, we can have that sense, that, but you don't understand my situation, and that's true. No, no, nobody does but the Lord. But I'm just wanting you to know that God has the power, my friend. God has the power. Even though the worst of the worst has happened by people who should have been loving you with the best of the best, abandoned you, rejected you, hurt you, hurt you, criminal pursuits against you even, whatever it would be, the Lord still has the ability to set you free from a victim mentality and cause you to be filled with the knowledge of His Spirit. Paul would say, I'm praying for you in Ephesians 1. I'm praying that you will, by the power of His Spirit, know what is the hope of His calling of you. The hope of His calling of you. These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might when He raised Christ from the dead and seated Him far above all names and every name that has a position of authority. It's the hope that that one, that Christ, brings to a life no matter what has been said against you or is being said against you. The power to break the chain of victim in order to take you into the place, into the freedom of victor. Again, nobody can hear that for you and you get it. We can be saying, oh, that one, they really need it. She really needs to hear this. But folks, listen, nothing will change until you right where you sit, open your heart up and say, Lord, that's me. I have every reason to be hurt and saddened and feel abandoned and rejected. And the Lord isn't minimizing that. But he's just saying, you look to me. You look to me. You look to me. I can break that chain so that you will know in your heart that you are not the product of the words of those who despise you. The things that, that what they have done does not have to define you. Again, look at Joseph's life. With all that had happened to him, knowing that he would never see his father, mother, his family ever again, or his home country. He could have slithered into a corner and just spent the rest of his life with his head in his hands. But he didn't. He didn't. He got up in the power of the Lord and with the sense of the truth of God's hand on his life and calling on his life. He moved steps of faithfulness that resulted in the Lord honoring him with a position second only to the Pharaoh. So that, that's, that's one of the chains with regard to Joseph. Here's another one. He would break the chains of small. Of small. He broke the chain of small to bring Joseph into the freedom of much. Folks, if it hadn't happened the way it happened, Joseph would have still been stuck in Israel. He would still have been stuck at the bottom of the pecking order. 
He would have been the youngest son of all of those jealous older brothers. That, that was the world that he lived in. That was all he knew. But the Lord had more for Joseph. And it had to be something that was done to Joseph. Hear me. It had to be something that was done to Joseph in order for him to be broken free of that chain of small. Steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He delights in his way. Even though he falls, he will not be cast headlong because the Lord is the one who takes hold of his hand. Joseph's brothers were mean and vicious and manipulating and conniving and cruel. And God allowed what they did to Joseph to happen to Joseph in order for him to be geographically, physically removed from their presence. Into a place where they would no longer have any control over him. As far as they were concerned, he's dead and gone and forget about him. But in God's plan, in God's plan, somebody needs to hear this today. He breaks us free from little. He breaks us free from small. In order that in his timing and his plan, he takes us into much and more. Verse Peter 5, humble yourselves. Before the mighty hand of God, in order that he may exalt you at the proper time. There's two words, chronos and kairos, for time in the New Testament. Images of that in the, New, in the Old Testament as well. Chronos, it's the passing of the seconds and the minutes and the hours. It's just, it's the mundane, daylight to dark, that sort of thing. It, 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 nothing unusual. Just going through the daily routine. But there is the word, and it's the word in 1 Peter 5, that he will exalt you at the proper time. It's kairos. And it means the fulfillment of time. The completion of time. Not not just any ordinary day, but an extraordinary day when all God has had planned and wanted to do for you happens. And you're brought out of a low place, small place, into the place of his choosing and placement. Amen. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That was Joseph. That was Joseph. May that be us. May that be us. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time. He has the power when he breaks a chain to use the things that are done against us, done to us, that we would never pick out, we would never do, but he uses those as the force behind the breaking of a chain to set us free from the control and the atmosphere of that which we have lived in and been a part of. He has the power to break a chain, break the chain of small, to take us into the freedom of much more. Can you say amen to that? If some of you are going to look back and you're going to realize if my life had stayed exactly the same way that it was, and you can pick out the time that you would want, the setting that you would want. If my life had stayed the same as it was in that way, in that capacity, in that form, I would never, ever in a million years 
have imagined where I am now and what I'm able to see and do and be a part of now. Folks, listen to this. And he's doing this in some of your lives. I know he is. Don't know exactly who. But he's breaking small off of you. He's breaking little off of you. And sometimes we're kicking and screaming, God, what's going on? Why is this happening? Lord, please stop this. When he's just saying, trust me. Trust me. I have the power to shut every one of those knuckleheads up. I have the power to do whatever's necessary to keep you in the place. But here's what I want you to understand. You're saying, trust me. I don't want you staying in the same place. I don't want you there. My dream for you, my plan for you, the rest of your life is the place of much, not little. The last one is this. And I'm sure there are many more we could bring up, but, but this one struck me. Not only is it the chain broken of victim and into freedom, and small, the chain of small into the freedom of much, but it's also, also the chain of a fixed order into the freedom of a brand new order. As long as Joseph would stay in the family setting, he was going to be the low man on the totem pole in the eyes of the brothers, no matter how much the dad loved him. It was a fixed order. It was a fixed order. He moves over and he's sold into, into Potiphar's household. There's a fixed order. There's the man. I mean, he's in charge. And then the jailhouse. Even to the place where he was exalted to the right hand of the Pharaoh. Even that was a, was a fixed order. Who ever heard of a Jewish person becoming the Egyptian Pharaoh's right-hand man? Folks, I'm telling you, the fixed orders of men are nothing compared to the power and the ability of God to implement a brand new order and new plan for our life. So don't be looking at stuff as if it's always going to be that way. There are going to be a bunch of folks that will die before your very eyes. You'll go to their grave. But right now they've got such big, belching, bellowing voices that it just seems like the whole world shakes at the sound of their voice. God has a way of altering the fixed order in order for him to take his child into a further place of freedom in a new order that he sets him. But Pharaoh would say, you are second only to me. That meant Potiphar, the chief, the, the, his, his bodyguard. The Potiphar was under Pharaoh. The chief jailer well, I mean, was under Joseph. The chief jailer was under Joseph. You talk about the Lord turning a world upside down when he says it's time. He can do it. He can do it. He can do it. Who's he going to do it for and in the behalf of? Humble yourself. Under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you, that he may break the chains of a fixed order, that he may break the chains off of you and take you into the place of freedom and more and further and destiny that he has in mind for you. Who is it who is in the room? 
I'm telling you, it's the chain breaker who is in the room. How do we know he's in the room? He said, if two or three have gathered together in my name, there I'll be in the middle of you. Folks, we don't take him seriously enough. If we took that seriously enough, anybody we knew that was struggling with something, we'd be on them with our hands and with our hearts and with our mouths. Lord, bless them, heal them, set them free. Do what only you can do because you're in the room. It's not like we're talking to some God way out on the other side of Jupiter. He said, I'm in the room. Two or three gathered in my name. There I will be in the middle of the circle. Does it mean that when the chains are broken and this new way of thinking begins to animate our lives, that that means everything circumstantially, physically, materially, observable in the natural, will all of a sudden come in line. Sometimes, that's exactly what happens. He breaks the chain of physical suffering, and in an instant, folks can walk. I, I heard a man this weekend telling me about something he saw in Africa as a part of a ministry time in Africa. He said, David, I'm telling you, there were 50,000 people gathered in this, in this setting and at the close of the service, they were praying for ones who had needs. And that this, wasn't a, this wasn't a dog and pony show. For some reason, this had some real legitimacy to it. They brought a young boy up that just didn't have a foot. He was crippled and didn't, didn't have a fully developed foot. And this, this guy, he's a businessman. He's a businessman. He, he, you know, not, not into way off out there, exaggerated. Maybe that happened. He said, with my own eyes, I saw as they prayed for that young boy. I saw a foot grow on the end of that boy's leg. I saw, that was probably 30 years ago, but that man remembered that demonstration of the power of God as vividly as if it had just happened in his life. Does the Lord always do those kinds of things? No, he doesn't always do them. But he has a plan, he has a way, he's able to, and we don't know all of how He's going to break the chains and set us free. But you can just know he's going to do it if you ask him. But if we never ask him, if we never ask him, if we just draw up a peace treaty, a demilitarized zone with the chains of our attitudes, the chains of our hearts, we may never, ever know the freedom that he wants you and me to walk. I believe he's saying, ask me, ask me, ask me. We're going to pray. I want us to pray. But then I'm going to ask those of you who are in this room who just want to be prayed for. There's a sense something is coming. You don't have to necessarily tell us what it is. But there is a sense that you, you long for the freedom of the Lord to bring that to your mind and your heart so that you're not controlled and owned by chains of attitudes and emotions. We're going to pray. Prayer partners, I want you to just plan to make your way here. So we can pray in this house. But let, let, let's pray. Let's, let's just go. Lord, we're so proud of you. Lord Jesus Christ, we are so proud of you. We are so thankful for you. We declare that you have all authority in heaven and on earth. Every sickness, every person, every political philosophy, every nation is ultimately under your authority. 
And Lord, we are here this morning inviting you to make your presence known, to make your chain-breaking presence known. We bring our chains to you. We bring the places that control us instead of us controlling them. And we ask you, Lord, to extend your hand to heal that place in us. We ask you for signs and wonders to take place so that our minds begin to think different ways and the conclusions that we've had before that have left us captive and defeated, that they are removed, they are dealt with, they are shown up for the fraud that they are and that we would be receiving you even at this very moment. Your truth, your life, your power, your freedom. Come, Holy Spirit of Jesus, and set the captives free. I pray that for husbands and wives. I pray that for relationships within families, with, with children and extended family. I pray that, Lord, for attitudes with regard to work and the future at work with people with memories. Lord, we're asking you to go back to the things that have happened maybe 30 years ago, 40 years ago, five years ago, where the enemy has wanted to keep accusing on the basis of that. Lord, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, will you break that chain and will you set us free? I want you to say his name with me. I want you to say it loud like you believe it, like you mean it, like you're convinced he is the one who has all authority. Say his name with me, Jesus. Let's say it again, Jesus. Let's say it again, Jesus. It's all you need to know to pray with authority. That one name, that one name, that one name, that one name. The chain breaker. Chain breaker is in the house. Where you are, he is. Where we are, here, he is. If we can pray with you, we want to pray with you. Before the, while I was sitting over here waiting for the service, waiting for the worship in my turn, a young girl walked up to me with tears in her eyes with a mask on and I couldn't understand her. I have enough problem with my ears as they are, let alone trying to understand with the mask and the music going. But with tears in her eyes, she said, I want to be baptized. I want to be baptized. Let's come to know Jesus and can it happen this next week? Everyone, she's meeting him. So young lady, wherever you are, would you find this man right here with the beard standing next to that lovely lady, Melissa? Will you find them and we'll, we'll, we'll get that done and set up. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Let's stand together. And you come this way if we can pray for you. Pastor Walker at alamocity.org. Email us just enough to know how to pray with you. And we will. We love doing that. And God's doing some mighty things in answer to prayer. He's the chain breaker. He's the chain breaker. He's the chain breaker. Let him ask him to break the chains. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you.